the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Fonte, it's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. We've got one guest lined up for you today, our good friend Travis Eldridge from the LAC Sports Network, set to join us here in about 20 minutes from now as we break down the NCAA tournament field. And, and Seth, it, it's an NCAA tournament field that includes a home game for Syracuse. Uh, we weren't expecting that, necessarily. We said that in order for them to have a chance, Denver had to lose to Georgetown over the weekend in the Big East Final. That happened. Cornell won as well. And Syracuse gets the home game, will host Cornell in the 8-9 matchup. Obviously, only the top eight seeds are actually seeded, but it is, for all intents and purposes, the 8-9 matchup. Cornell beat them head-to-head. Cornell had the better record. Cornell was the conference champ. And yet... Syracuse gets the home game and gets the benefit of playing Sunday night inside the Carrier Dome. This is like the uh, lacrosse equivalent of Ohio State getting in over Penn State, right? Yeah. Where Penn, Penn State beat them head-to-head. Penn State won the same conference, and, and yet we're looking at Ohio State being in. Uh, you know, this is what happened. Cornell went and, and beat uh, beat Syracuse on, on their home field and, uh, you know, had the better record. I think, you know, it's surprising that Syracuse got the home game. I mean, I I think this was kind of the one thing we were going in not really expecting, right? Where you knew there was an outside chance, but I I don't think anybody really expected them to get a home game, right? Am am I misreading that? I think the belief was if Denver lost to Georgetown and Cornell did not win the Ivy League, that you felt like there was a, a pretty good chance Syracuse would get a home game. One of those things happened. Denver lost, which, again, a lot of the projections going into the weekend had Syracuse just on the outside looking in of a home game You know, in that number 9 spot. Denver was in the 8 spot, and then when Denver lost, okay, maybe Syracuse moves up. But if Cornell wins the Ivy League, it's probably a game changer. Right. They've got the conference tournament title. Again, better record, better RPI, by the way. I believe their RPI is nine, two spots better than Syracuse. And again, they beat them head-to-head. So you would think that if you put those two teams next to each other, Cornell would get the home game. Syracuse would have to travel there for the first-round game. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the committee rewarded Syracuse for a very difficult schedule, among the best in the country, maybe the right. best in the country, depending on what metric you go by. And they had a couple of really good wins. Two wins over the top five RPI, which was best in the country as well. So they had better wins than Cornell. They did have more losses, but they played a more difficult schedule, and at the end of the day, the committee rewarded them for that. Yeah, uh, look, uh, part of my ignorance here a little bit, but can't you also look at this as, as rewarding the legacy? And, and, yeah, reputation. You know, it, it's, it's Maybe Syracuse. you figure the attendance will be better. Right, right. You know, it's it's Syracuse. It's the legacy. It's the reputation. They, you know, they they went to what twenty plus straight Final Fours. They've been to the tournament now eleven years in a row. You know, they they've got all the banners and all the titles hanging up in in the Carrier Dome, and and you look at it, and and it's very easy to see why you want Syracuse having the home game, and why you might want Syracuse advancing uh, further in the tournament than Cornell. That's not to say that Cornell doesn't have the lacrosse history, but you know, Syracuse has, has a better one. And uh, you know, you you know where I stand, and and. 
uh, as far as the, oh, you played a good strength of schedule, and, and Syracuse did win some of those games, but uh, to get rewarded for playing Albany and, and getting smoked is kind of funny to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you look at it, and, and I can't help but think, and that was kind of one of the first thoughts that went into my mind when you look at the two resumes next to each other, you can't help but think, is it the is it the the legacy and and the reputation that got rewarded a little bit? Yeah, and you know Cornell played Albany at Albany, uh, lost that game by two, gave him a, a much tougher game than Syracuse did. Um, you know the head scratchers for Cornell, they opened the season losing to Colgate, and obviously Syracuse played Colgate and and spanked them over the weekend, and then Cornell ended the regular season losing to Princeton and losing by six goals. And those two games, again, at the end of the day, probably cost Cornell, even one of those games probably cost Cornell a chance to host this first-round game. But in any event, Syracuse uh, gets a rematch now with, with Cornell, a team that you know just a month ago beat them by five down in Ithaca at Shokoff Field. Now, again, fast forward a month later, Syracuse is going to get them inside the dome with a chance to move on to the quarterfinals and most likely a date with top-seeded and top-ranked Maryland in the NCAA quarterfinals. So if you look at the path, very difficult path for Syracuse to get by a team that they lost to by five goals and then most likely the number one seed. But before you can even think about Maryland, you got to think about this, this first matchup against Cornell. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i curious because that game against Cornell, five-goal game... May, you know, competitive at times, but uh, is it is it a close enough game, and was it a competitive enough game that you could say simply flipping the sight of it will will matter? You know, like like is it one of those games that eh, okay, you you had to travel on the road, you had to take that bus ride down probably that day to go down to Cornell. Uh, you know, okay, you you had to you, you were playing in one of those outdoor uncontrolled environment kind of a things. Uh, it, 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 was that game close enough and competitive enough to say, oh, well, if you played that game in the Dome, you probably win. You don't have to sit the hour on the bus that day. Instead, they've got to sit that hour on the bus, uh, you know, and, and and the circumstances change a little bit. Is that enough? And and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not like you're looking at the, the Virginia game and saying, hey, it was a one-goal game down in Virginia. Uh, you know, you get that on your home field, you win, which... You know, it's a they, fair they, point. Yeah, it's a fair Syracuse point. had one earlier in the year. You look back at the stats from that game, face-offs were essentially even, uh, clears were essentially even. The, the one big edge that Cornell had, uh, other than the final score, was in the saves category. And Kalen Bullen had arguably the best game of his career. He had 14 saves to Damadonna's nine. Now, if you flip-flop those and Damadonna comes up with 14 saves and Bullen comes up with nine, then then that's your difference. So it, it was a case of, on that particular night, Cornell's goalie played the best game of his life, right. uh, essentially. So yeah. is that going to happen again? Probably not. I, I think it's more even than that final score would indicate. I mean, I think this is going to be an even game, and if you put it inside the dome, and, and we know that Syracuse has a knack for winning close games, although they've lost the last two, uh, to Virginia and Navy, they have a knack for winning close games. So my feeling is you put this game in the dome, I absolutely think it is advantage Syracuse. I do think they have the the advantage. Um, and if you know you're asking me today who I would who I would pick in that matchup again, even though we saw it once this year and Cornell beat them by five, I think Syracuse should advance. They got it in the dome. I think they're a better team now um, than than they were back then. You know, Cornell probably is as well. And Cornell's got some momentum coming off the Ivy League title. But yeah, I think the sight of the game makes a big difference. Playing in the controlled environment of the Carrier Dome, opposed to playing outside at Shokoff Field where weather might be an issue. Um, yeah, I'd give the edge to Syracuse. And not having to take an hour long bus ride that yeah, day. Yeah, sure.
I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I and mean, it's I, become... I'd rather not sit on a bus for a day than get a for for an hour and then and then get off the bus and have to play right away. And I'd rather I'd rather just walk on over to the dome. It's become kind of a tradition for Syracuse lacrosse to to play, you know, right after graduation inside the dome. You know, they have graduation in the morning, spills over into the afternoon, then right. they hurry up, they change it over, um, and and they get ready for a lacrosse game and they play at seven fifteen at night. It's become kind of a tradition, and and they've got the benefit of again the seniors will be able to walk, you know, at their graduation be able to you know spend the day in Syracuse and get ready for a lacrosse game opposed to you know doing what you suggested hopping on a bus traveling down there um, and and going back to the scene of the crime for lack of a better term to to take on Cornell uh, a team that um, you know knocked him around a little bit a, a month ago it was a close game in the first quarter five three after one quarter and then Cornell dominated the rest of the game yeah uh, so they've shown over the course of this year that even even though they got blown out by Albany even though they you know, got blown out by Hopkins even and, and lost to, to Rutgers. Uh, you know, you beat Duke by a goal. You beat Notre Dame by, by four. You beat Army by a goal in three overtimes. You know, a knack for winning some of these games. You know, they they aren't getting just beaten in, in every one of these. Do, do you think that they, I don't want to say turn it on, but do you think that there's something to that where now coming into the tournament and, and knowing that it's postseason play and, and playing against the best competition there is, even though they lost to some of them, knowing, hey, we've we've beaten teams that are good enough. And and to your point, uh, getting those two top five RPI wins, which likely gave them the home game despite their six losses, uh, you know, they, they know that they can win some of these games. I, I tell you what, I'll answer it like this. Uh, if I'm Maryland... I'm not thrilled that Syracuse is the team that that you know you're most likely going to see uh, in the national quarterfinals, right? Because they are dangerous enough; they're good enough to beat you. And and this NCAA tournament, listen, it is a lot like the the college basketball NCAA tournament in that what did we say? You know, going into March Madness, we said there, there's not one clear cut favorite. Yeah, Maryland right now is ranked number one. I think Albany and Maryland, to some degree, had separated themselves. You know, maybe about a month ago from everybody else in the pack. Yale's now in the mix. I don't think there's one team you could point to and say, you know, this team is going all the way. Or I feel, you know, I'm 100% confident this team is making it to the Final Four. There are teams that have easier paths, or there's teams that are going to be favored. You know, Maryland is certainly favored. I'm not thrilled, though, if I'm the Terps, that that I might see Syracuse in the national quarterfinals. They are obviously good enough to beat you. They've shown that they can play with and beat anyone in the country. Now, I think if you're a Syracuse fan, I think you're thrilled that you wouldn't see Albany again if for some reason they were to meet up, it would be in the national title game. I think you're thrilled that Albany is on the complete other side of the bracket because you know that is the one team from a, a matchup perspective. Syracuse does not match up well with them, and and we saw what happened when they went head to head. You know earlier this year, it was it was it was a mismatch, and, and Albany dominated. So I think if you're, if you're Syracuse, you're thrilled that you get the home game. Again, you knew you were going to play somebody really really good in the second round in the national quarterfinals if you were going to make it that far. Maryland is really, really good, but I'd, I'd prefer to see Maryland overseeing Albany. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because uh, uh, you you've already seen Albany this year, right? You, and 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 it that, did not go well. No, no, it did not go well. You know, you you mentioned the Cornell game. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the stats off off of the scoreboard. A lot of the stats look you know relatively even. Uh, I, I don't think anything looked even in the Albany game, and and so to be able to you know put aside the Cornell game and say, hey, you know, a couple of things break our way. The goalie doesn't play his best game of his career. You know, maybe maybe that's a little bit closer. Maybe we even win. Uh, you know, as, as opposed to the Albany game, I, I think that if you're sitting there as the Syracuse coaching staff, 
if you were to sit and and watch that again, it, what what do you even come away with? I mean that that game was not competitive from the jump. Yeah, and the one thing about Albany going into the postseason is that they're not completely healthy. So again, if you're looking for a reason, you know, not to like Albany going to the Final Four or or beyond, you know, Connor Fields is hurt and he's he's not a hundred percent, and you know, he's their best player. So I think that that's going to certainly hurt the Great Danes. Getting back to Maryland for a moment, you know, we say that they're the number one seed and and they're they're certainly favored, and they are. They're two and two in their last four games. I mean, they are they are beatable. They lost to Ohio State. They just lost to Hopkins in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, with wins in between over Hopkins in triple overtime and Rutgers. So they've, I mean, they're two and two in their last four games. They could be one and three in their last four games. And that just gives you an idea that there is not a clear cut favorite in this NCAA tournament. And and so it should be a whole lot of fun. And again, I think if you're an SU fan, yes, it's a difficult road. You got to play Cornell. And if you win that one, you got to play Maryland to go to the Final Four. But I think it beats the alternative. Going on the road potentially to let's say Denver. Oh, and then be awful. and yeah. then if you know if you had to play Albany in the second round, I think that the path that you have, even though it involves the number one team in the country, I think that's a better path than hitting the road in round number one and then having to again potentially play an Albany team in the second round that uh you know, you already saw once and, and you got smacked by early on in the season. Yeah, I, I think those are the two things you want to avoid. I, I think that the the road trip to Denver specifically is the one that you really wanted to avoid in the first round, right? You could you could stomach a road trip to Cornell. You could stomach a road trip even to another ACC team. Uh, that trip out to Denver is a very long trip that, that I don't think you want to make in, in the first round of the tournament. And, and then Albany in the second round, right? Because you you look at some of the other teams, okay, Duke and Notre Dame, uh, you know, Hopkins, you've played them, you've played them close, okay, fine. Uh, you can figure it out. I don't think you wanted to play Albany in the second round. Yeah, I think that's the one team you did not want to see on your side of the bracket, and they were able to avoid him. And so Denver has to now go to Notre Dame in that, you know, uh, De- Notre Dame's the, the seven seed, Denver's hitting the road there, and then Albany gets the two seed. They play Richmond, and again, theoretically, Albany's going to play the winner of, of Notre Dame in, in Denver in the next round, and Syracuse gets to avoid that whole situation. The other quick thing before we get to Travis Eldridge down in Division Two. The big question with LeMoyne was, we saw them lose in the NE10 semifinals. Would they be able to hang on to that number one seed? They had been undefeated, number one for much of the year. They get tripped up in overtime against St. Anselm on Friday. Would they hang on to the number one seed? Not only did they not get the number one seed, Seth, they have to hit the road. They got a three seed falling from one to three after that loss. So now Danny Sheehan's squad has to hit the road to to take on uh, Seton Hill in the first round, and then from there they can advance. And and that, again, break. it is. It's a tough break. <laughs> in order to get to the, the championship, they're going to have to do it with two wins on the road. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough break for a team that was undefeated up until that last game. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll sort all of this out with Travis Eldridge from the Lax Sports Network. We'll get his thoughts on the Syracuse Cornell game and his thoughts on who he thinks will win the NCAA tournament. We're just getting started on Orange Nation back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Downtown Living Tour, Saturday, May 19th, in and around downtown Syracuse. Always good catching up with Travis Eldridge, one of my former students uh, at uh, Syracuse University. Now Have uh, that in common with him. That's right. Part of my coaching tree. He's <laughs> doing some really good things. Worked out in Binghamton, and, and now he's at the Lack Sports Network in Boston. 
Let's go to the phone lines. Bring out another guy who knows uh, a thing or two about lacrosse. Doug in North Syracuse kicking us off here on Orange Nation. Hey, Doug, good to hear from you. Oh, my pleasure, boy. Thanks. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, man, I hate this game being played on graduation day. I, I complain about it every year and nothing's going to change, but that's such a distraction. You know, family in town the night before, spending time with family, mind not on the game, and you know, now all of a sudden you got to turn it towards the game. I really don't like it being played on that day. But it is what it is, and that's not going to change. But this is going to be a good one. You know, you guys talk about the eye test of, of uh, Cornell just beating Yale, the eye test of uh, Syracuse just beating uh, Colgate, who beat Cornell, was pretty impressive, too. The boys came out and played and looked really good against Colgate. So, you know, it's, it, it's anybody's game. That's, that's a tough matchup, man, Cornell-Syracuse. Such a huge tradition and huge rivalry. So I'm pretty fired up about it. So what I'm counting on is you boys in the media to build this baby up, hype it up, so this is going to get about 10, 12,000 people in the dome, man. So it's going to be good. Hey, listen, I want to lecture Pat for a second on on, on, uh, on this stuff. I've heard him lecture the Syracuse fans numerous times during the <laughs> basketball season. So, Pat, get your posse together and your crew together. Go buy yourself a ticket to be in the dome and do some yelling and screaming for these orange boys. It's going to be a good one. I appreciate checking in, Doug. Yeah, I think this this should be a, a fantastic game. It's a it's a great first round matchup between a couple of Central New York rivals. Uh, a lot of tradition between both programs. Seven fifteen Sunday night's gonna be the last game of the first round. It always is. It always is. Uh, as long as Syracuse is at home and Syracuse is at home, and and we we certainly can talk more about that uh, as the show moves along. But uh, yeah, let's let's hope that there's a nice crowd and and you you should be treated to a. To a good game, uh, I would I would anticipate. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think so. Uh, you know, the uh, you mentioned it earlier. the The stats were relatively even, right? If not for a great goaltending performance, uh, that's probably a different game down in Cornell earlier this year. So, I would imagine that it's going to be a pretty good game uh, this weekend. All right. So, John Desco addressed the media a short time ago, and and he was asked about. Syracuse getting the home game over Cornell, and so he tried to explain for us. Here's John Desco on that situation. The committee uh, obviously went with the numbers, and uh, I was on the committee uh, years ago, and that when we sat down the table, things can get very confusing about uh, you know who's who's home, who's away, who's in, and when you go by the numbers, then it just works for everything. That uh, now you can justify. Uh, you know, someone getting in because of the number of wins they had in the top five, ten, using the RPI and the strength of schedule, uh, where you start varying from those from the formula and what's been given to you by the NCAA, uh, and you change something for one team. Now, you know, how do you how do you address that with all the other teams that all of a sudden you're changing the criteria for one team than another? And, and that's fine, Seth. If if that's the the main reason that Syracuse got the home game over Cornell, and I guess it has to be the fact that they had, you know, two wins over the RPI top five, three wins over the the top ten, and they had a better strength of schedule. But if the main metric is the RPI, Cornell had the the better RPI barely. Cornell was number nine in the RPI going into the weekend or going into Selection Sunday last night. Syracuse was number ten. Cornell did have the better record. Cornell did have. The, the conference tournament title, winning the Ivy League and and in beating Yale in impressive fashion. Syracuse did not have the, the conference tournament title, you know, lost in its first game uh, to Virginia. And again, you look at 
pretty much any other metric other than strength of schedule and quality wins, and and Cornell's got the edge there. But I, again, I guess at the end of the day, according to John Desco, that's that's one of the main metrics that it is quality wins and strength of schedule, and so SU has them there. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, we we mentioned it earlier. Syracuse has some quality wins. Yeah, they've got some losses, and they they were blown out by a couple teams, but they've also beaten some teams. They beat Army, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Duke. Uh, you know, they beat Virginia. So they've beaten good teams this year as well. So being able to point to those quality wins is going to help. I, I have to ask, you said that Cornell is ninth in the RPI. Yes. And that Syracuse is 10th. Yes. Who's the other top 10 team that has to go on the road? So Denver is is at eight. Okay. And again, the the... The thought going into the weekend was if Denver wins the Big East, Denver will get that eight seed and someone will have to go there. And again, the projections had Syracuse going there to Denver right. for the 8-9 matchup. Denver lost to Georgetown in the Big East Conference Tournament Final, and that opened the door for either Syracuse or Cornell to jump in there. Now, Denver is still eight in the RPI, but again, I think Syracuse and Cornell both have better resumes top yes. to bottom than than Denver does. The other thing to keep in mind is that, and, and they do this with, with basketball, and so I guess this must not necessarily be a thing with lacrosse, but in terms of wins away from home, Syracuse two and three away from the Dome. Cornell six and three away from Shokoff Field. They had some extra opportunities, you know, playing neutral site games in the Ivy League tournament and, and so on and so forth. Cornell has played well away from the dome. They oh, and by the way, or played well away from home. And oh, by the way, they beat them head to head, as we pointed out at the top of the right. show, by five goals. So to me, it's it's, it's a confusing. little head scratching yeah. that Syracuse gets the home game. Not that, you know, any SU fan's gonna complain about it. I think that that goes from giving Cornell the edge to, you know, maybe they're a slight favorite to now I think Syracuse is the slight favorite either way. I think this is going to be a great game Sunday night. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that changing the venue of this may, it changes who who you would favor and who you would pick. Absolutely. And, and yeah, it's head-scratching that, they, that Syracuse would get this home game. And while I understand what Travis Eldridge is saying about, you know, Maryland has been the most consistent team, and, and that's going to be awfully tough to get by them, and, and that's absolutely the case. I mean, Maryland's a great team. I just If I had to pick between Maryland and Albany, if I'm an SU fan, I, I would want to see Maryland. I would want no yes. part of Albany. And I know Connor Fields is hurt. He's going to play. He's not going to be a hundred percent. He's going to play. And and even you know, with or without, I mean, obviously with him, they're a much more dangerous team. But even without him, they've got enough firepower to put you know, still pump in a lot of goals. And that first meeting was not close. I mean, Syracuse did not lose by double digit goals strictly because of Connor Fields. So and I understand what Travis is saying, and I respect his opinion, and you know, th- this is what he does for a living. I just if I had to pick between Maryland and Albany. If I'm an SU fan, I want no part of the Great Danes. I agree with you. I don't want to see them. Not until the finals. And that's the case. Albany on the completely opposite side of the bracket. We're going to take another timeout. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. It's time to get you what you need to hear. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. I'm a man. I'm 40. But we played in, in some really tough ones over my years, you know, playing at Alabama, and then playing in the Dome at UTSA. If you want to crown them, then crown their But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Today's sound check on Orange Nation. And the reason we're doing this today uh, is because we have to pay homage to one of the greatest rants in sports history. 16 years ago today, Allen Iverson was talking about practice. 
I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Man, we're talking about practice. So there it was. That's 16 awesome. years ago today. It never gets old. Never gets old. So It's like the UTSA bite. Yeah, it, just, right. it never, never gets, gets old. You always smile when you yes, hear it. You always exactly. smile, and it, it just it puts you in a good mood. That I think a, this is going to be my favorite segment we do in a while. These are so fun. So it got us thinking, what are the most memorable, what are our favorite rants involving Syracuse coaches? And there are a couple that immediately come to mind. Let's go in. Do you want to go in chronological order? Yes. Start with Jim Beheim. Yeah, let's start right. with Jim Beheim from the uh, following the 1984 Big East final between Syracuse and Georgetown. The referees, pure and simple, took the game away from us. Michael Graham, in front of 19,000 people, punched my player. They didn't have the guts to call it. And then they had the nerve to call about four other things to take the game away from my players. It's pure and simple. Georgetown's got a great basketball team, but today the best team did not win. Thank you. Wait a second. Wait a second. And that's the chair. So maybe the visuals of that are better than the than the actual I mean, sound. That sounds pretty I good. I mean, the too. sound is good, but the sounds visuals the visuals add to it, no doubt about that. Uh, let's fast forward to shall we say March 9th, two thousand six, following an opening round win over Cincinnati at the Big East tournament. We can do that. Jim Beheim uh, fired up about this. Who's the most overrated player in the Big East Conference? And again, if you remember, Jerry McNamara, quote unquote, won that poll of anonymous assistant coaches around the league. Jim Beheim, none too pleased about that. And uh, you know, Jerry's been very consistent for us all year, uh, his whole career. Uh, with, I have to laugh a little bit when our own paper is calling him and our own student newspaper is calling him overrated and they actually listen to a couple of assistant coaches who I guarantee you will never be head coaches if they think Jerry McNamara is overrated of course our paper will print that anyway because that's you know somebody said it without Jerry McNamara we wouldn't have won 10 f-ing games this year okay not 10 these other guys just aren't ready they needed him Without him there, not 10. We wouldn't be here to even have a chance to play this game. And everybody's talking to me and writing about Jerry McNamara being overrated. It's the most thing I've seen in 30 years. And you know it was a good rant because immediately (laughs) overrated T-shirts popped up the very next day, and then we all know how it ends from there. They go on to win the Big East tournament behind Jerry McNamara. I yes, have to sir. ask you, because you were in the room, and, and yes. I, you'll understand what I mean by when I say this, but was this one of those unprompted things? Well, and you and that was gonna be my other point about this, is that you knew it was a good one because it, you know, it spawned a t-shirt the very next day. It, you you hear how it starts, and I like where you picked it up because he went from zero to ten, like instantly. <laughs> like he was just, you know, Jerry's been very consistent, and then just a, a effing switch games. Yeah. flipped. And yes, it, it very much, and, and we know how he operates, right? There there are things that he wants to get done in Absolutely. a press conference, and when he has something to say, he'll find a way to work it in. It was obviously bothering him. He wanted to get it off his chest, and, and he let loose. Now, you're asking me what my reaction was, and I think I've said this before on the air, but selfishly, my reaction was, man, my day just got a whole lot busier. <laughs> 
That's what I, I'm telling you. That's what I thought. And sure enough, you know, I got to contact Channel Nine. Did you see what happened? And you know, we're leading the show with it. I mean, because it was an afternoon game, if you right. remember, at the Big right. East tournament. And um, so, yeah, my day got a whole lot busier. My my night as well. Five o'clock, six o'clock, eleven o'clock. We're leading with it. We're doing oh, sidebars with it. Um, and then, of course, you know what happens from there. They beat the number one team in the country in UConn the next day, and that whole week was just a, a whole lot of work. And it started with uh, with Jim Beheim's rant. Yeah, uh, that that might be my favorite. That is just so great. It's classic. Like, do we also? And and I couldn't help but think about this when when I'm listening to it. Do we know who those are assistants are, and if they've become head coaches? We don't. I mean, it was an anonymous poll. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to know? Like, if you're the the writer of that, twelve years later, and you're like, ah, oh, half of them. You should do a follow up. <laughs> no longer anonymous, by, by the, the way. way <laughs> right. Half these guys. <laughs> Looking back, currently head coaches. All right, let's uh, let's get one more in from Coach Beheim, and then then we'll move on to the other one the that we selected. Jim Beheim yeah. division. So let's let's stick with Beheim here, and uh, this is uh, Jim Beheim uh, going after Andy Katz. <laughs> I ask anybody's question but yours. Because you're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to go there. Coach, could you talk about the end of the series? With- you know, it's been a great series. I think Connecticut and Syracuse have had so many great games over the years. And... Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how he flips that switch, turns it on and turns it off. <laughs> I forgot. First off, I forgot how great the beginning of that. Yeah, is. that's a low forgot, key, like I, really good yes, soundbite from I, Jim Bayham. I forgot how great that is. But then did you just be like, oh yeah, you know, it's great to play UConn for forty years. Yeah. Like, too bad it's not going to happen anymore. Flips that switch, yeah. just like he flipped the switch. He's calm and then like goes into his rant. You know, said what he had to say, and then flips that switch, and he just. Turns it back to that was so dials perfect. it back to yeah great rivalry between the two schools, I love it. All right, we got to move on to to the the non Jim Beheim division as you put it. This was a classic. And when you think of SU coaches and you think about their rants over the years, this wasn't necessarily a rant, but it was um, just the best one of the all time great press conferences that that I've ever been a part of. And this is this was Greg Robinson's final press conference. As head coach of the Orange, had already been notified two weeks prior that he was going to be fired, had been fired, would coach the rest of the season. This was his final chance to address the Syracuse media, and he he chose to read a story. You know, I'm going to read a little story. It's called The Little Engine That Could. Okay? The Little Engine That Could. All right? The book is used to teach children the value of optimism and hard work. All right. Some would contend that the book is a metaphor for the American dream. In the tale, a long train must be pulled over a high mountain. The engine succeeds in pulling the train over the mountain while repeating. What did he say, Matt? That's right. Well, you know what? See, I still think I can. <laughs> Two things strike me about that, Seth. Number audience one, audience participation. Well, he had he had the audience participation. Uh, number one was was the way in which he delivered it. It was like he was reading a children's story to children. Like we had never we had never heard that story before. That was the first thing that struck me was that he right, was. It was right. like he was. You know, he I came across it. this story yeah. that I want to share that brand none of you new. have heard. Brand new. Yes. 
Uh, that was number one. Number two, just how genuine he was, and the, he he had, he was choked up and tears in his eyes, and you couldn't help but you know, even though See, I still think I can, it choked up. That's heartfelt. He, it's it, heartfelt. It was. He was genuine, and as much as he was a disaster here as a head coach, um, I I do think he was a good guy, and. You you felt bad for him a little bit as as he was as he was leaving the program. I did like at the beginning, and I want to play this again. You can hear people laugh. You can hear people laugh. It's called the little engine that could. Okay, like you can hear people <laughs> laughing at this idea that like I'm gonna go read you a children's book, which let's face it, fair reaction. So what's your favorite? I mean, we, we just played four all-timers uh, right there. I think it's that one. Is it? I think it's reading The Little Engine That Could. And that's not a rant. That's not absolutely not a rant. But that is unbelievable. It's, Were you in the room for that one, too? Yes. Yes. And again, that, that like that's... Did you all just walk away confused? What struck me was... The, it was it was really those two things. It was he's reading like he's talking to a six year old who's never heard this story before, and and number two, it was how it, it was emotional. Like he was, you could tell it was tearing him up inside. I kind of want to save this. I want to play this over and over. See, I still think I can. I want to have that on our button bar, just readily right available. next to. Well, that didn't go very well. Yeah. Questions. <laughs> Exactly. I, I think I still have to go with the the Mary, Jerry McNamara overrated yeah, no, rant. That, that was great. that's probably the old timer for me since I've been doing this job. Anyway, I wasn't around in '84. Uh, I mean, I was around, but I was not eight. He, yeah, yeah. I was I was alive. I was physically on this earth, but I was not working right. uh, at Channel Nine at the time. So I think in my professional life, now the Jerry ones. I'm the, the Jerry one stands out to me. Um, I think G Rob's a close second. Uh, the only one that I can say personally that I, I two that I've been in personally. Um, one was when Scott Schaefer broke a podium. Okay. That was pretty good. Just that was pretty good. Just because there was physical damage. Uh, and, and that was so outside of his character yes, as well. Yes, he was, he was normally like, like cool and calm. Nice guy. Like, and... He was intense, but like calm. Right. Um, and then also when Bayheim went after Bud last year. Just kind of random. Bayheim has made a... He's, He's made a living out of that. He's made a career out of that. Also, what I remember about that that one is that they won by like 45 and and he comes in and he's like, I got a bone to pick with Bud. Yep, that's what he does. And when something bothers him, he gets it off his chest, and then he moves on. He's fine with Bud now. He's fine with Andy Katz. Like he he gets it off his chest, and everybody moves on. Let's take a timeout. We got, hold on one note to, to pass along. Uh, the funny uh, we get a, a a note from from our buddy uh, Matt Park. The funniest part is he didn't read the book. He read the Wikipedia write up of the book. Yeah. There, and yes, that's that's very. <laughs> thank you, Matt, for reminding us of that. And, that is even better. And again, it just it's it's funny to me how he he, I don't know if he thought we had never heard it or he he presented <laughs> it as though we had never heard that story before. That's what that's part of what made that so great. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Got to take another time out. Back after this on ESPN Radio.